0: Welcome to Bible and Stuff, a podcast about the Bible and stuff. I'm Glenn. And I'm Tanner. And we are excited to have you guys back on the show with us. Uh, Are they on the show with us? They are on the show with us. That's great. It's
1: going to be a very interactive podcast today.
0: Yeah, yeah. Tanner's got lots of jokes. But we are excited that you're here listening to us today, even if you're not directly interacting with us. Although, I do have to say, there's a buddy of ours who listens to the show i texted him the other day about something yeah and he's like it's so funny i feel like i was just conversing with you but i was (laughs) listening to your podcast and i was like oh that's funny that's cool oh but yeah uh we are talking today about an interesting subject um but tanner i know you had a question that you wanted to ask before we kind of rolled into things today Yeah, well, you can probably tell from the title, we're talking
1: about um, the question of whether or not you can lose your salvation, and that got me thinking, and so I wanted to start here. Yeah. What is something that you believed because you were always told that, but then later you looked into it, you kind of researched
0: it, you thought about it, and you changed your mind? Sure. So I'm going to... Just go with the first thing that came to mind. I don't know if you were wanting this to be in the realm of our faith or not. Do whatever you're going to do. It is within the realm of my faith. I remember growing up, hearing it from my parents, my grandparents, from just people in general. I I still see people post about it, but I remember believing Mm. that when you died... Oh, somewhere I thought you were going, but go ahead. Oh, (laughs) I remember believing that when you died... um. That you became an angel. Oh yeah, yeah. And I remember, I, and I again, I still see it in posts all the time. Like, Graham passed away today. She's she's an angel over, you know, looking over me now. Yeah, and, and, and gen- it's, generally not the time you want to correct someone right, on, on right. their theology. Yeah, and uh, and I don't generally. Uh, I mean, if yeah. somebody asks about it, or or you know, we're going, we're just dis- I'm discipling somebody. It may come up, but it was something I always growing up. Thought was a legitimate thing. For sure. Until I learned it wasn't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so I don't know. That's that's probably my, my big one. Okay. Do you when have... You, yeah. Oh. Uh, so I have a couple.
1: But when you said... <laughs> I see this post on Facebook. I almost positively thought you were going to say, um, God won't give you more than you can handle. <laughs> oh, it's a good one. Because... <laughs> I want to explain why I hate it, but I don't want to spend too much time on it. But I hate it because... <laughs> If God would not give you more than you could handle, why do you need God? That's a good point. Isn't it a great one? Okay. So, uh, yeah, I have two. Uh, the first one is not faith-related. And the second one is. The okay. first one is, I always thought that turning an interior light on in your car while driving was illegal. Huh. Did you have this experience? You know, I actually, I, Yeah. Because when you're a kid and you turn the light on, your parents are always like oh, turn that off. Yeah, <laughs> and actually, maybe it is illegal. But I have seen people say since then that like, yeah, you can totally do that. And I thought, well, dang, <laughs> I huh. I, I've, I never thought about. that. I've been living a lie. But now I also tell my children. Well, to turn and I the don't know off. if it's
0: it's subconscious or somebody told me that growing up. But mm-hmm. I I if, if I think about it, like if we're driving in the car and my wife turns on the light to check something, I feel uncomfortable. Uh huh. So yeah, yeah. I mean, it it does hurt your visibility a little bit, but I'm pretty sure it's legal.
1: I'm pretty sure you can do that. But people just say it so much that you're like, oh, yeah, it's definitely true. So now what's your your faith-based? My other one, oh, man, I won't get too much into it, but I I feel (laughs) I spent so much time on it. I feel wrong not saying it. I actually called my friend today because I was like, "What was that thing that we talked about that we spent so much time on?" And I finally, as I was describing to him, it I dawned on me before he even got to say it, which was the age of accountability. That idea of um, that there's a certain age that if you die before that, you were not um, able to understand the idea of Jesus or your own sin, and therefore you you didn't fall past the age of accountability and you're saved and that's a whole can of worms maybe we'll cover in a future episode of of all the details of that but we spent weeks talking about this but the conversation I had with him is somebody had either said it to me in a different way or had read something and I thought oh I don't know about that anymore I've always just taken it for granted people have always just said that I'm like oh yeah makes sense I'm gonna keep keep going with that and then eventually it dawned on me oh maybe that's not in the Bible, like I thought there was just a verse that was like, here's this thing called the Age of sure. Accountability, and then I come to find out, there's definitely not, and so we just, we talked about it a ton, we like literally talked our pastor's ear off, not literally, figuratively talked our pastor's ear off about it, to the point where he was finally like, here's a book, just read it, man, <laughs> like, just leave me alone, um, but the, the conversation with him started of like, hey, do you believe this? And he was like, Yeah. And I was like, why? (laughs) (laughs) So he stopped and thought, "Uh, because my grandmother told me, and that's what our youth pastor has said. And so that, I thought, was really poignant for what we're talking about today, which is something that you've often heard especially if you grew up in a Baptist circle, they like to say once saved, always saved. Something you've probably heard since you were a kid. If you grew up a Christian, if you grew up in a Christian household or in church, you've probably heard this idea. And maybe on the other end of things, you've always heard that you can lose your salvation. Like whichever way you go, you've probably heard it for a long time since you were a little kid. And sometimes it can be really hard to let go of those ideas that, other people who we love and respect and trust have passed on to us, have told us about. And it can feel like rejecting that idea is rejecting that person. Yeah. Or I think when you're young and a little prideful, it can feel like, well, that guy doesn't know anything. He was wrong on this one thing. So therefore I'm starting to write off way too much, way more than I should of someone who's otherwise really, really faithful. But now I disagree with him on a single issue. So anyway, just, I think a lot of times when we talk about a topic like this we can carry some baggage for lack of a better word into the conversation
0: because of things like that. Yeah. So, I think our objective today uh is we, we want to talk about this topic. Mm-hmm. We want to go through and raise some of, you know, the the bigger questions that we tend to have around this topic when you actually sit down and think about it. And there are a lot of different routes that you can go uh asking questions about this but we we just want to cover the big ones today and then back it up with some biblical truth for sure all right so we're saying once saved always saved is there validity to that statement sure so where should we start with this well we should start with an answer okay go i am going to say yes with an asterisk next to it, Okay, like so most there, things. There is validity
1: to the idea yes. of being once saved, always saved. In other words, if I said, can you lose your salvation, you would say yes. <laughs> 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 but, really, but really, no. <laughs> but really, you would say no. Yeah, so we'll get that out of the way early on. The way we would answer that question is no, you can't lose your salvation. Now, we have to explain some things. But let's think about that as objectively as we can to start out with. And something that I like to think about is, if I hold this belief that I can lose my salvation, how does that fit into the context of other things that I know about God? So would he, explain what you mean by that, sorry. Well, let me back up and say this. We have a friend, Joy. She's really good at this. She's really good at, like, diving down into truth. So when you're wrestling with something or thinking through something, she always if I'm talking to her, stops me and says, okay, but is that true? Or what does that mean about God? Or those kinds of things. And what she's saying is take that thing that you're feeling or thinking or working through it and put it in context of everything you already know. So if you're feeling like God doesn't love you, you have to stop and say, hold on, I know better than that. So, anytime you're wrestling with an idea, whether it's an emotional idea like that or it's a more objective theological idea, put it in the context of what you already know. Put it in the context of what the Bible has already clearly said. Because this is an idea where there's a couple places in the Bible that could be confusing depending on how you would answer this question. And so, it's important to interpret those passages in light of all the rest of the Bible. So, let's look at this in the context of what we already know about God. If we can lose our salvation, does it mean that god is not powerful enough to keep us that god is not powerful enough to hold on to
0: us yeah that's a good question i mean if if we're believing that it it kind of i feel like we're coming to that assumption but i don't i don't believe it's true yeah it's definitely an
1: assumption you could come to but there's a couple of verses i want to point out that i think kind of take that off the table First of all, we have Romans 8.38-39, through 39, which says literally nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Not life, not death, not angels, not heights, nor depths. Any
0: of that stuff can separate us from God. So can I stop you there? I know you have something you want to follow up with. Go for it. But when we read that verse, um, I feel like this is, this is one of those things where if you read a verse out of context... You can apply it to different things and, uh-huh. and do whatever you want with it. When we read this verse, we're reading this as Christians. Yes. Because i, I that's another thing that I, I see happen a lot is people will take verses like this uh-huh. out of context and share it with people who are not necessarily Christians. Uh-huh. And that can be assumed that, okay, well, if God's got me in his grips, I'm good. Yeah. I don't need to worry about anything. Yeah. So, sorry, I didn't mean to, to interrupt, but I just want... That popped in my head. No, it's a good clarification. Another verse I would point to
1: is John 10, through 29. And it says, I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father, this is Jesus talking, who has given them to me is greater than all and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. Mm-hmm. So Jesus is saying, God's given me his people to take care of and no one's getting them. No one is getting them. Nothing is going to come And pull them away from me. Very similar to the other verse. It it just really lays out that there is nothing. And if we look at God as all-powerful, which most people agree with that, then it becomes very clear that if he was going to allow us to fall away, if he's going to allow someone to, quote-unquote, lose their salvation, that means he has to be willing. He has to be willing to do that. So that's the next question.
0: Is he willing to let us fall away? So... I didn't think about this until just now. But uh I don't know. He might be. <laughs> because yep. now I'm thinking back to Adam and Eve. He was willing to let them make the mistake. I guess technically make a decision. But he he allowed them to, to make the decision to fall away. hmm. So I think yes. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Possibly. But with but with Shoot, sorry. I'm just trying to process this in my head now. No,
1: for sure. So the caveat I would say about all Old Testament stories that you're going to think about is that most of those are pointing towards our need for a Savior. So on the other side of that, now that we have Jesus and the Holy Spirit, what does that look like? And so I have two verses we'll point towards okay. to answer this question. In Thessalonians five twenty three and 24, um, really we'll just jump to the end of it he says, he who calls you, talking about God, is faithful. He will surely do it. So when we start thinking about, well, is God willing, is God faithful to us no matter what? Thessalonians says he is. You have another one, Philippians 1 through 6, says, he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. So again, Jesus comes back, God's been working on you, he's not giving up. So this question of, is he willing, is he faithful, is answered in the fact of God's not giving up on us. God has said through these words in the Bible that He wants to keep us. He wants to
0: stick around. Yeah, He's not willing to let us go. So the Philippians one, six verse, yeah, has always been one that I've I think about a lot, and we'll probably get into this a little bit more. But um, I have a particular friend I think about who, growing up, I always I was always envious of his faith. And the way that he lived out his life as a Christian, and since then he has, he has said he doesn't believe in in God. He doesn't believe in the faith that he was brought up in, and that's hard. Yeah. Um. And I I always remember this verse and thinking, well, man, God began a work in him, so he's gonna finish a work in him. Mm-hmm. Um. And again, I know there are some things we're gonna cover later that will probably tie into this idea. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I always fall back to that. Yeah.
1: I I like that verse a lot as well. I think,
0: I think we've probably both heard
1: our pastor quote it quite a bit, but it's been helpful when I'm in a place of where I feel like God has called me to do something, but it doesn't feel like it's working out. It's been helpful to lean on that and say, well, If he started this thing, he's going to finish this thing. Regardless of what that means for the situation or this time, he started with me, he's going to finish with me. And I do think like the story you're sharing is really important because a lot of these questions that we cover, although it's easy to just talk about them on a base level and a theological level are generally coming up because people are struggling with a real issue, with a real-life thing. And it's not just abstract thought about whether or not this idea is true. It's real life. I'm going through this, and I don't know what's true and what's not. Yeah. So we will get to that again later. But before that, I wanted to take this little side detour and talk about um, if you're not already convinced, here's one more idea to maybe think through. Okay. Okay. So we see over and over again in the Bible that God loved us while we were still sinners, right? So while we were enemies, while we were against God, he loved us. And he didn't just love us, he loved us to the point of sending his own son to be sacrificed for us. So if God loves us while we are actively enemies of him, why would he now love us less that he's brought us into the family? Why would he now love us less that he's called us his own? Mm. It just doesn't make sense. Yeah. Uh, there's a really good Sam Storms quote that says, it is logically and theologically impossible that God should love you less now that you are his child than he loved you then when you were his enemy.
0: Yeah. No, that's good. I mean, it, it, it puts everything into perspective when you say it that way.
1: Yeah, and if you think about, again, if God went to the point of giving up his son, not even sparing his own son to get us, to bring us back into the fold, then why would he lose us? Like, if you gave up the most valuable thing to you to get something, you wouldn't then turn around and get rid of that thing. It doesn't make any sense. No one in their right mind would act that way. So it's safe to assume
0: that God would behave that way as well. Yeah, so kind of processing that, it seems like if you believe that your salvation can be lost, you, you are probably someone who has a works-based faith mentality in the sense that you're thinking about what you can do in order to be saved and, and not necessarily relying on God to save you. If that makes sense. Yeah. We talked about God's perspective of it, but now to look at the human perspective
1: of it, if you are struggling with this idea of being fearful of losing your salvation, you are therefore not looking to God and his faithfulness as your basis. You're looking towards yourself and presumably your own works and your obedience There's another really good Sam Storms quote that I wrote down that says, the basis for our security and salvation isn't ultimately our righteousness or our obedience, but God's promise, His power, His purpose, and most of all, His passionate love for us in Christ. So a lot of times when we come to this problem from a personal standpoint, we are struggling with trying to pull ourselves up by our bootstraps or trying to really look nice so that we can feel more secure in our salvation. But when you instead rely upon what we know about God and who we know that God is that takes the pressure off of you yeah
0: and i feel like this is a normal thing to fall into i mean i i do it time to time where my trust isn't completely in god and i start to rely on myself and start to think well man if i just if i just do this more or do this less you know i Like, I'm going to be more saved than I was before. (laughs) And that, it doesn't make sense, because the whole basis of our faith is that, you know, why would Jesus have died if we could have done it on our own? Yeah.
1: I I always like talking about this stuff, um, theoretically and from a theological standpoint, but it is interesting, like you're saying, like, our actions don't actually always line up with what we come to believe, with what we decided is true. Sometimes we still act the other way, and I, I do that all the time also where I catch myself, not having made the decision to rely on my own goodness or good acts or good works, but I catch myself in a place where I am already relying on myself and what I can accomplish instead of God and his power.
0: I can't remember if I mentioned this recently. It's just top of mind because it happened fairly recently, but my wife was reading a book that was pointing out that as a culture, we are constantly being demanded to live independently. We need to learn to do things on our own um, and, and not be dependent upon other people uh-huh. because that's a sign of weakness, which is completely counterintuitive to what our faith is all about. Like We should be dependent on God for all things. Uh-huh. And so I, I think our culture and the way that the world perceives things perceives things leaks into the way that we view our faith and it's just it seems natural almost to to do everything on our own rather than depending mm-hmm. on god yeah which is not what which is not naturally the way it should be
1: yeah I've, man we could do a whole episode on um not just that w- we've made our faith individualistic in that sense of relying more on ourselves and on God, but that we've made our faith only personal, and we don't think about the way the Bible talks of it being very communal and that we are with other believers, that we are in real relationship with other people who call us out and challenge us and push us and iron sharpens iron kind of thing. We should do an episode on that. It would be a good one. It would at least take (laughs) that long to really flesh that out. But it's also important.
0: Yeah. We're heading into a break right now. uh, But Tanner, what what are we going to be talking about when we get back? We
1: have talked about kind of the base level idea of what we would think about God and therefore how we answer this question. But there are some sticky verses in the Bible that take a little bit more to explain. So we're going to look at those. Glenn, Tanner. this is an ad break.
0: That was a nice break. But we don't have an ad. Yeah, you know, that's weird. Because what do ads do again for us? Well, normally they would make
1: us money. Okay. But because we don't have ads, we have no money. That's what I was going to say. Hmm. That's rough. What do we do about <laughs> that? Well, I was going to ask you, how can people support us? We're not going to ask them to advertise on the show. So what can they do to help us out? to keep this thing going and
0: eventually get to a point where we make some money? You know, that is an excellent question. And I feel like people have really been wondering, man, how do I support these guys? I think they have. They have. Yeah. Uh, so here's, here's a, couple, a couple ways you could do that. Okay. Uh, so the first is we have social media. We do. We do. We're on, we're on Facebook. We're on Instagram. We're on Twitter. On the tweets. Um, So uh, an easy way that you could help support us is by liking us, following us on all of those platforms, Mm. and sharing with your friends who we are. Oh, that's a good idea. Yeah, right? I mean, the more people who know about us, the more traction we get, right? Yeah, the better this thing goes. Yeah. Another way that you could support us, um, both of us love Mexican food. So if you wanted to do a DoorDash uh, to our homes or take us out to dinner, we would gladly accept that. That's a really good plan. We should give them our personal phone numbers. Yeah. And then one final way that you could support us is by giving us ratings and reviews um, on whatever podcast platform that you're listening through. Five stars, preferably. Yeah. yeah, Five stars will will definitely help support us. One to two. Hey,
1: it's fine. Tell us the truth. Whatever you (laughs) Whatever you can do. Shut up. Shut up. Shut up. But anyway, in all seriousness, we're not doing this thing to get rich. But the bigger this thing gets, the more time we can invest into it and the better we can make things. So we really would like it if you would check us out on social media, rate this podcast, wherever you listen to it, and share it with your friends.
0: We appreciate you guys and all that you do for us so far. Keep listening in and let's get back to the show. Okay, Tanner, let's... Begin our final descent with this podcast (laughs) as we talk a little bit more about the topic of once saved, always saved.
1: Can you lose that salvation, baby? Yeah. Well, the big passage that a lot of people struggle with is Hebrews 6. Specifically, there's a verse in Hebrews 6, I'll paraphrase it, it's like 4 through 8, where it essentially says there's these people who have shared in the Holy Spirit, they have tasted the goodness of God. But then they've fallen away, and those people that have fallen away are going to be forsaken by God. So what do we do with that?
0: Yeah. I mean, that, I, I guess this brings back up the scenario or situation I was talking about earlier with, with my friend, and where, where does he stand on this now? Mm-hmm. For sure. So I have a
1: couple of answers. One that I think will be helpful for you And then one that I think kind of gives you the rational, ideological basis from which to build. I didn't make this up. Getting this from a guy named Thomas Schreiner. Super smart. I'm going to do my best to explain how he would explain this passage. Okay. Hit me with it. All right. So we have these warnings in the Bible, but we also see it in a lot of places in the Bible that God isn't going to give us up. Right, So how do we reconcile those two things? Yeah, Schreiner would say that the warnings are the means by which those promises of God come to pass.
0: Okay, break that down for me when when we're saying warnings.
1: The warnings where God says, hey, don't fall away, which would seem contrary to God saying, I'm not going to let you fall away, are the means by which the promises of you not falling away come to pass. So, let me give you a story. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah, <let's. laughs> it's a big topic. It's, it's even hard for me to really pull that apart and understand it, but it was really helpful when he talked about Acts 27. Okay. You have Paul. He's on a ship with a bunch of guys. Paul is headed to Rome to stand before Caesar, and a storm comes in, and it seems like their ship is going to wreck, and they're probably going to die. But an angel comes to Paul, and he says, hey, you're going to get where you're going, and all these guys are going to make it with you. You're all going to be saved.
0: That's very reassuring.
1: Yeah, so he's gotten a promise from an angel that says, hey, you're going to make it, right? So Paul can rest easy knowing that. But they're still in a storm. And so some of the sailors who are transporting Paul decide, we are getting out of this mess. <laughs> we, we didn't get no promise. We don't want to die. We're going to try to escape in this, in this side boat. But Paul turns to the captain, and he says, if you let those guys leave, they will not be saved. Unless these men stay in the ship, you cannot be saved. But we literally just saw that Paul had a promise. And now he's saying kind of the opposite, where he's saying, hey, God told us through an angel that we're all going to be saved,
0: but if you do that, it ain't going to happen. So it seems very contradictory, but both can be true is where you're kind of getting at? Yes. So,
1: Schreiner would say, these warnings in the Bible aren't hyperbole. They aren't just made up. They're real warnings, but those warnings are the means by which God's promises are fulfilled. So, Paul told these guys a warning, and they didn't leave. And therefore, the promise that they would all be saved on the ship held fast. Here's how I would explain it if I were sitting across from you, much like I am right now, and we were talking about your friend. Yeah. I would say pastoring someone or giving someone pastoral counsel is different than just running them through theological promises or biblical promises. They can be the same thing, but, for example... The passage of the Bible that helps this make the most sense for me is when God says, hey, if your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. Be better to have one eye, not burn forever. It's fair to say Jesus probably isn't actually telling us to cut out our eyes or cut off our hands, but he is bringing a seriousness to the situation in which he is saying, you have to, by all means possible, seek to be obedient. God's promises aren't reliant upon our obedience, but from a pastoral perspective, if you're struggling with something, I'm going to say, dude, by all means, get that out of your life. Like yeah. whatever you have to do to get away from
0: it, do that. So not necessarily referencing, like we said, John 10, and 29, which was saying, you know, I've given them eternal life. They will never perish. No one can snatch them out of my hand, which is still a valid and appropriate verse, but, pastorally you want to give that warning
1: yeah well i think i think that's the thing is you you do both yeah you say hey god's got you but man like get it together (laughs) it's not reliant upon you by yourself to get it together i'm here for you the lord is here for you but put in some effort try do whatever you have to do to make this better and so I think in this in a similar way, I think in a similar way, we can look at this Hebrews verse where God is saying, "I'm warning you, you don't want to fall away. You should say, "Yeah, that's absolutely right. <laughs> I don't want to fall away, and therefore that fuels in some on some level me seeking
0: God and continuing to persevere in the faith okay, so i I hear what you're saying, and I think. Probably some of those pastoral conversations didn't happen, or maybe didn't weren't followed through in a way that was helpful. <laughs> maybe weren't very pastoral. I guess. I, whatever the case, yeah, or they were just ignored. Yeah, uh, my friend still moved on and and basically said, "I I don't believe these things anymore." Um, my question now is. What what happens? Is there any hope for him? Um, are we saying once saved, always saved? Are we saying once fallen from faith, no longer uh, the opportunity to be saved? I I don't know how to phrase that, but I guess I'm just trying to say is is there second chances for people who have fallen away from the faith?
1: Yeah, I mean we yeah we all know people who at one point said they were christians and now that they are and most of us like you and me as well we're close to those people and so we are really invested in the idea of what happens to people who do actually fall away so we have said all this time that you can't but then we have experiences that say that's not true so how do you reconcile those two things well the bible would say two things the first one and I think the most common one is were they ever really saved. And it's not us to uh, it's not up to us to judge that. It's not up to us to say, well, let me look back on their life and see if sure. I think they were. It's not up to us to judge anyone's standing with God. But the Bible has a couple of verses that I think might be helpful when we're thinking through that scenario. 1 John 2:19 says they went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that it might become plain that they all are not of us. So John's saying, they left us, which means they were never really with us, Mm. which is answering that question. Okay, so if someone left, it probably means they weren't genuinely saved. And that's not a fun thing to think about or even say, but it seems to be what the Bible says. Another verse it gives is 1 John 5, 11 through 12. It says, and this is a testimony that God gave us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son does not have life. So God gave us eternal life, not life for a little while until we fell away right. and doesn't have. So if he's given us eternal life, then he's given us eternal life, and we're going to receive that. But if we don't have that eternal life, then he didn't give it to us. So again, that's the most common answer that the Bible would give you is that they probably weren't ever really saved. Now, there's hope for us in that, in that we can pray for them just like we would any other non believer. We can have gospel conversations with them, we can still
0: love them, we can still Well, I see where you're going with this, and I, I you keep saying we can do this. Um I'm almost feeling like we should be saying you should do this. Yeah. Because like you said earlier, we we don't know the state of their heart. Yeah. We don't know where they really were in God's eyes. We can't be the judge of if they were saved or or what they really believed. But we can do as much as we can to try to get them to that point whether they were or weren't before. And that is that does give hope. You know? Yeah. That brings us to the last option, which is either they
1: weren't ever really saved or they were. Yeah. (laughs) So then how do you reconcile that? Well, I think every Christian at some point in their life probably ends up in a place where they are content with their sin. They're not battling it the way they should be. They're probably distancing themselves from people who try to keep them accountable and try to help them and love them. And we can reasonably believe that if that's the case, then God's going to bring them back. Similar to what we see in the prodigal son story, he is a son of the father. He decides to go live a life of sin, to go live a life of indulgence. And then eventually he realizes, this is horrible. (laughs) I want to be back where I was. And God accepts him back, or the Father accepts him back, which is a metaphor for God. And so we could reasonably believe that that could happen with our friends too. But either way, we pursue them, and we love them, and we hopefully see them reconciled
0: to God and become part of that family again. Yeah. Well, I I think that's a great way to, to kind of wrap up our thoughts on this. I mean, the original question or statement that we've been talking about is once saved, always saved. Is that true? I think we would say yes. Yeah. Uh, uh, I don't think we would say, we would say yes.
1: Yeah. And knowing what we know now, I've heard some people correct it to if saved, always mm. saved. And that can be helpful to think about it that way also.
0: But I think the other big point that we've come to the realization on is regardless of that statement talk to your friends you yeah. know, talk to them about your faith uh hold your christian brothers and sisters accountable don't be afraid to to speak that those warnings into their life yeah. because as we were just saying we we don't know really where their hearts at but we want to do everything we can to make sure they know what that truth is
1: yeah it's been a good conversation at times mind-boggling, and at other times, you know, it's kind of heart-wrenching to think about um, those people that we know. But coming out the other side of this, we still know that God is good. We still know that God is faithful, Um, and we still know that there's a lot of work left to be done. So we're really glad that you've stuck around this long. If you enjoyed the show, share it with people you know. Hit us up on social media. Let us know if there's something you would love for us to do an episode about in the future, or if you had any questions or even caught us in a mistake (laughs) on this episode, we want to try to
0: do the best we can. Yeah, because like we said from the beginning, a lot of this stuff, we're learning right alongside you. We want to grow in our faith and our understanding of the Christian faith and, and history. So ask away, correct away. Let's have conversations about this stuff. All right, guys, we'll catch you next week. Peace.
1: Bible and Stuff podcast is a production of Bible and Stuff. We do more than just podcasts. So if you want to know more about something we've covered on the show, just visit our website at bibleandstuff.com. Our show is hosted by Tanner Britt and Glenn Brand, and our theme music is by The Sing Team. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.